0: everybody to the Value Clarity Podcast, where the focus is customer perceived value and everything related to the value chain, how we sell, market, and price our products and services. Today is a special day. I'm honored to be your guest host for our very special Mark Boundy, the host of Value Clarity Show. I'm an entrepreneur, partner, and executive Uh, Vice President in C-Suite Network and really, really thrilled to be here in this discussion to showcase the expertise that Mark has been bringing to us every day. So, Mark, you're a sales leader, business leader, consultant, coach, author. You were a Chief Clarity Officer and your experience really is tremendous with GE, Lucent. I want to be able to, and I'm so thrilled and honored, uh, to be able to share where you're coming from your experience and just highlight the value, the value expertise you have. So can you just walk us through your journey? How did, how did you end up in this place where you're bringing us all these phenomenal insights and allowing us to share our brilliance? How did you get on this track and why did it become such a passion for you?
1: Well, first of all, Trisha, thank you so much for having me on my podcast. Thanks for uh, doing this. I really appreciate that. Um, my journey You know, it it maybe started in college where I was just uh, an academic nerd looking at a lot of research, studying consumer behavior, how buyers make their decisions and the psychology. And we've, we've all probably read spin selling and that and Neil Rack did the research to tell you that that approach worked. I read the research that told you why that approach worked, what's going on in the consumer's mind. So I started out you know a research psychology consumer behavior nerd Uh, one of my first jobs was at a company that i have never seen the equal of since in helping hundreds of sales organizations and this company wl core was relentless and focused and everybody in the company was focused on customer perceived value and I don't know if they gave themselves full credit for that, but as I left and and worked at other companies, some of them big and super bureaucratic. um, I looked back on that experience and said, man, that really started me off on a right right path. And so uh, I was able to use that and channel that into a lot of different organizations and a lot of different organizational cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so finally I said I, I wanted to share it with people and I, so I wrote a book and I started doing my own consulting
0: and the value the perceived value you, you think okay well intuitively that makes sense I've been part of three enterprise sized organizations I spent nearly 20 years in market research this and marketing uh, the the perceived value it, it, it makes sense and yet so often companies go wrong you know why is it such a challenge why is it so difficult for us to really deliver on that
1: a lot of times i think it's because we complicate things too much for instance you and i talk about all the stuff going on right now and all of the cross currents and i've worked in big companies that try to develop all kinds of systems and and we develop systems and processes for everything but i want to stop everybody for a second and say the purpose of every organization in the world, profit organization, nonprofit, product, service, the purpose of every organization is to provide more value for its customers than it costs them to produce. That's the purpose. That's the only reason any company exists. And if that's the reason it exists, tell me about all of your KPIs and your measurements and your metrics and, and, and all that, and how many of them can you tie to how much value you're producing? And the answer is disappointingly few. Um, McKinsey, a couple years ago, I think it was 12, uh, 2013, 14, they researched corporate directors, people on the boards of directors. And um, I remember one of those two years, it was like 22.8%. And then I think the next year was something like 24%. So less than a quarter of directors, on boards of directors understand the value that their companies produce for for their customers. And that's at the top of the top. And then I have aggregated the experience of over 100,000 opportunity reviews with high-end B2B salespeople um, covering 100 different consultants, multiple different sales methodologies. And overwhelmingly salespeople don't understand the customer's outcomes and customer outcomes is the root of all value. So if directors don't get it, the salespeople who like are responsible for getting it are, that's the thing they do worst. Um, Maybe this whole value thing, we know intuitively it's important, but when it gets down to it, when the rubber hits the road, we stink at it. And We're putting layers and layers of complexity and process and marketing and marketing automation and this and that, but we aren't teaching our players to dribble the ball, right? The reason Kobe Bryant was such a great, was the world's best player was because he spent hours every day on the basics, mastering the basics. And the basics of sales and the basics of marketing, the core of business is value. And we aren't as good at it as we should be.
0: I, I hear that loud and clear. And I think, you know, coming back to the basics, our organization, uh, my, my business partner, you know very well, Jeffrey Hazlett. He's our chairman, our CEO. Uh, and our immediate go-to with the COVID crisis was we're going to drive and thrive. We're going to push through, we're going to make things happen and we're going to be focused on outcomes. And that's been, that's been tremendous both in us understanding our value and certainly our community, uh, the executive community across North America has just been an and beyond, but by yeah. word of mouth beyond um, it's, it's been extraordinary. I, I'd, I'd love to get your your best advice in terms of how you do get it right, because I think you really focus on outcomes, and you know you listen across your podcast, which I do. Uh, it's fantastic, such great insight, and and obviously you've worked with us, Mark, in terms of understanding our value proposition. You know, people talk a lot, and sales. Oh my goodness, you know, there's a lot of talk, and talk does not equate. To results and and you really hone in. It's consistent through every message you share. What are the outcomes? And so, what are the tools, the strategies, the tactics? Those simple basics that we can be doing, that we can see that value, and we can make sure we're monetizing it and resourcing it and serving it.
1: Um, it's all about, and that's that's kind of why I wrote my book. One of the reasons I wrote my book is that I wanted to assimilate and boil down consumer behavior anthropology behavioral economics and the simple thing is and you know we're um we're recording this uh during a time of covid19 and racial tension we were just talking about this before we started recording that people are going through stuff and you the the tension level and the stress level is so high right now that you can't even have a basic conversation until you have learned to understand what's going in the other person's head. Sales is a function and always has been a function of changing something in the other guy's head. It's not about the activity of doing a bid, doing a demo, sending a, a proposal, getting, uh, having a sales call, taking somebody to lunch. Those are activities your success, the only thing that matters is what happened between the customer's ears. And, you know, for better or for worse, these times have reminded us just how important it is to understand the things that we assumed about each other and to stop and understand. And then you start making your changes. And that's, if, if you realize that your job, and your success is all in your customer's head, now you realize, you know, my, my wife is a surgeon, she does uh, minimally invasive, so she, she affects her, the, her entire patient's life through a tiny little incision. So she's poking in and changing something happening in another human being through a tiny opening. And that's what salespeople do. You've got this tiny window into a customer's mind. And that is what you've said but it's all about what's what the movie is playing inside the customer's head that's the only thing that matters
0: mark what you're saying is so powerful and so phenomenal and you related it to the environment that we're in i am a huge believer that when everybody is on the same page in terms of catastrophic types of events things that are affecting everyone all at the same time so covid uh, uh, recessions, um, you know, different, the, the, the civil unrest we have right now, the, these are things that are affecting everyone in some way or another. But at the end of the day, it, for me, it's kind of a poignant example of exactly what you just said, which is our customer has noise that's happening around them, what, whatever the environments are, whatever the communities are, whatever their personal circumstances are they have noise that's happening and we're inserting ourselves into that and so i'd love for you to share what should we as sales leaders you know whether we're the owner of our business or we lead the sales team in our business or we're out you know selling every day what are those things that you say listen keep these things in mind and make sure that it's almost like um general hygiene you know you wash your hands every day and in business, when you're a salesperson, these are things I think they, they're they they're top of mind now, but they should be every day, right? And, and what are they? What should we be thinking?
1: For salespeople and marketers that support the salespeople, um, the important thing to keep in mind is, is exactly as you said, Tricia, is that everybody's got their own stuff going on and their own distractions. And you have to do two things one figure out where you are in the pecking order of their distractions and see if you can affect one of their top attention grabbers Mm -hmm. you have to become one of their top priorities because remember as a salesperson you're proposing that they change what they're doing and change is hard for human beings change is really it change is illogically hard for human beings. If we understand behavioral economics, just changing to something you know is better, you're gonna get resistance to it because it is a change. That's basic human behavior. And so you want it probably
0: as, 10 times that right? for executives like us, right? <laughs> this
1: is so so is if you show a customer that what you're doing is just as good as what they're doing now, it's dead. Not. It's dead because it's a change. So you have to you have to rise above the cost of change and show value and be one of the top priorities. And and in these times of crisis, you have to actually probably connect to one of their existing top priorities, which might be survival, cash flow. How do I um, get through the next three months? Um, and if you can connect your solution to that, and your existing marketing might not do that, but your product might. If you understand your customer's world well enough and can connect your capabilities to what's going on in the customer's world, you're gonna be so much more successful.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I have in our business, the sales team reports through me, we huddle every day. And, and one thing that has really come to the forefront is just listening, and so it, I was saying when we were speaking earlier, Mark, that kind of roller coaster of the emotion of all the things that we've all gone through together over the last three months. Um, just just listening and getting it off their chest in terms of where they are, um, i found to be incredibly powerful because in order to understand somebody else's headspace. You have to have room in your own to, to bring it in. And um, and so that's been incredibly powerful and incredibly uniting, but also incredibly uncomfortable at times. And I'm just wondering what your advice is to those who lead sales teams. You know, it can be very uncomfy. There's, there's a lot of difficult conversation to have around when when we have civil unrest, we have business challenges, we have our own personal things that we're walking into and walking with. Um, what else? can we be doing as sales leaders or as owners in our business to really arm our sales team so that they're ready to go into that, that space and genuinely listen and understand the headspace of the customer?
1: Um, I want to answer that question, but I want to answer a different question first Mm -hmm. because uh, people may not know that you are, your passion is great leadership of great cultures and you work with Jeffrey Hazlett, who's passionate about being a great leader of a great culture. And that passion, the importance of that, isn't just in an or, in, in the sales organization, that is in the organization organization.
0: Our DNA, and yeah.
1: So I wrote my book, not just for sales and sales leaders, but for organizational leaders. Um, the, organizations, especially the bigger organization you are, the more you have splintered your customer interface. I have clients who are medium sized companies that might have 20 years ago, might have had five organizations calling Mm -hmm. interfacing with a customer. Now they have 15 and only three of which have a sales title. And so sales is a minority shareholder. Uh, One of the important things that a leader needs to do almost tactically is make sure that everybody who touches the customer is empowered not just to not screw something up, which is level one customer experience, level two customer experiences, everybody try to delight the customer. Level three customer experience that almost nobody does is understand how your role affects the customer's business, how you in your role can improve customer outcomes and discover gaps that you could do better if we did a change and report that back to take take that insight back to the hive, and so it I propose an entirely different cultural orientation, a value focused culture, and salespeople can't do that alone anymore because they are minority shareholders. And uh, going back to you know you and your your hero club. Uh, you and I swim in a, in a circle, in a professional circle that has a lot of people that talk about leadership and great leadership, um, which I absolutely love. And every time leadership gurus tell you how to lead, they're telling you, you know, find find a direction and here's how, how you're going to take your organization. Well, I love all that, but everybody kind of assumes and and, um, glosses over the where you're going to lead uh, because they say, figure out where you're gonna lead and here's how. And I propose that your where, no matter who you are, the where you lead is to customer perceived value, to increased value. And if you add that where or what toward that how actually becomes easier. It clarifies the marching orders for everybody. It, we tell, you know, leadership experts tell leaders to have a set of rules, how to have a set of guidelines. Well, here's, here's the set of guidelines. Here's a really great template. And it is the best one for your business. Understand customer value. Um, And so I, the, the. most successful clients I have, have organized their their companies around customer perceived value. Um, I have one company that does uh, employee benefits, and so they've got their call center, they've got their finance people, they've got sales, marketing, underwriting, um, the, the clinical support people. Everybody now is pointed at, how can I help this business that we sell benefits to become more successful? How can we help the broker through which, how can we help the broker be more successful selling to those businesses? And it has uh, changed their business. It has changed the, the retention of clients. Clients realize, hey, this isn't somebody that I have to rebid every year in the, you know, in, in the end of the year. This is an important, ally in my serving my customers why would i want to just go out to bid with uh, and and try to replace them when they add so much value to my business
0: Mm -hmm. Um, it's it is phenomenal i'll never forget uh i know you know michael houlihan and bonnie harvey who founded barefoot wine and just an extraordinary story and with the hero club they spent three days with us but but half of, of a day was just a full workshop sharing their transparency model of how they built Barefoot Wine and how everyone understood they were either sales or sales support. And, you know, that obviously was many years ago now. I think your model, Mark, is sort of like iterating that forward, you know, in terms of tying it to value, uh, not just the transparency in the focus on the sales Uh, but taking it a little bit further in terms of that perceived value piece as well. And I'd love to hear what what are some other success stories you can share with us in terms of of doing it right?
1: I absolutely love Bonnie and and Michael Houlihan um, and the two-division company. One great example is a surgical-based medical society that... Uh, has introduced evidence-based methods to improve patient outcomes, shorten patient recoveries after surgery. And in Europe, it's used quite widely, but here in the States, it's viewed suspiciously because it reduces costs, but also reduces patient stay, which reduces revenue. So we had to come up with a group of outcomes for the hospital that overcame that perceived negative of lost revenue and saved money, saved risk, well, reduced risk, reduced patient readmissions, which is a huge source of cost now for hospitals that uh, didn't exist before. Basically helping a hospital see an entire array of positive outcomes that when combined, created a really no brainer business case for changing to this new set of guidelines that they wouldn't have seen without being walked through uh, by somebody who is expert, which is the role of that expert consultative sales professional. I have another example in a for-profit company that I honestly can't take full credit for myself. I interviewed a fellow who founded Mustang engineering. Um, This is a company that does engineering services. So when, a oil company, when ExxonMobil, who has leasing rights on a big chunk of land, decides, I want to poke a hole right here and drill for oil. And here's what I think the geology is like. And then they go out to an engineering company and they design the blowout preventers and the valves and the pipes and the pressure, and the right? And mm-hmm. so they design a system to go get the oil out. And inevitably as they're drilling, they find some surprise. And so they have to go back to the engineering company and saying, hey, the design has to change because we found this. And um, what Mustang engineering, so this was just, it's in the oil and gas industry, which is real cutthroat. Um, They grind the heck out of fenders. Uh, I have another friend whose job is teaching oil and gas companies how to grind fenders. He's a purchasing professional. Uh, and they go through negotiation classes every six months. Um, but Mustang Engineering would would do these changes, but they kept a log, and the first time they started doing this, uh, the engineers were saying, why would I keep a, a record of this? And, he, and uh, he said, just trust me. So at the project conclusion meeting, when they're tying everything together and, and, and getting the clients say we're done, uh, good job, he pulled out his list and saying here's all the change orders and here's the ideas that we had and here's how many dollars that we saved for each of those ideas and here's the total. Notice that the total number dollars we saved you is twice what you paid us in engineering. hmm because they merchandised that success and called the customer's attention to it, the customer kind of vaguely, and this goes back to painting the picture and making the movie in your customer's head clearer and clearer, because they now had that detail and painted that picture very clearly for the customer, the customer went from having a vague idea that this was a value-added partner, to being able to measure the value of that partnership in dollars and finding out that it was a two to one cost savings. It was and so when you do that uh, what happens and of course for the next project ExxonMobil has to send their bid out to three vendors Mm -hmm. and purchasing is going to try to grind everybody from price but what is the executive over that project going to tell that purchasing person? Um, yeah, I know Mustang is more expensive, but you're going to use them anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Be, Absolutely. It's, it's also a, a wonderful example of what is the, what is the heaven? What's the ideal state you're taking them to versus the hell or the, 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 the negative, the place they don't want to be. It's a wonderful example of that, isn't it, Mark?
1: Yeah, it is. You know, some clients don't want an interdependent relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think the classic example that I think we all all might think of is think of Walmart. They want to be able to grind everybody for price. And so they don't want, they purposely work against the idea that any vendor is going to become so important to them. So irreplaceable that they don't have pricing leverage. And um, that is neither a good thing nor a bad thing. It's just a thing. That's the, that's their strategy. And if you're a vendor that wants to be, have an interdependent relationship, just don't go to them as the customer that you're going to do that with.
0: Right. Um, that your overarching strategy, right?
1: When you have that independent, that interdependent relationship with your customer, you are truly interdependent. So that customer relationship, um, I hate to use the, the trite word sticky, but you become, you, it becomes more defensible
0: you mm-hmm. become
1: harder for that customer to disengage with.
0: And further and further away from uh, sort of being treated as a, a strict commodity. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so Mark, you and I have proven that we can talk for hours and hours and hours, and I just have so much respect and love from for where you're coming from and the impact you have with your business, with your podcast, with your leadership, you know, inside of C-Suite Network. What am I not asked you that's so important that we fit into this podcast before I have to wrap it for you?
1: (laughs) Well, when you organize around value, you're going to give your salespeople a better chance of success. When customers, when your salespeople understand how much the customer values your offer throughout the sales process, your forecasts get more accurate. Because you know what their motivation to buy from you versus somebody else is. Um, your employees are happier, they're more successful. Your entire company, uh, there's the old uh, story of uh, when John Kennedy went to NASA Space Center and asked the janitor, "What do you do?" And the janitor said, "I help put people on the moon."
0: I love, that's my, I, that is right. my go-to story. I love right.
1: that. So there's an organization where everybody in the organization somehow knew their connection to the goal. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, how much better do you think that janitor does its job, their job? How much better do your customer service people do? And on and on. So it is, you start closing loops in your organization that remained open. Uh, you're de silo your organization, and suddenly instead of this silo versus that silo, the customer wins, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have internal customers, you have the real customer.
0: I just love everything you've said, Mark. And just this week, I was using exactly that example to say, in the age of COVID, when we're looking at putting our uh, you know, workers back into our workspaces safely, that janitor analogy is just so, perfect and you know our mission is we will be the amazon of the b2b decision maker you know we we want to be the place in the world where executive decision makers will come and they'll get everything they need in a trusted environment to move faster and have greater impact with their success in their business and when you look at how we build our business against that model exactly i don't want to spend time you know having to watch over people and somehow have that stick analogy I want to know they're on mission and they're thinking when I don't have time to think about all the things that they impact in the business. And Tricia,
1: you're exactly right. There's, as a leader, you're a corporate leader and there's a thousand, and you're in, you lead a small business. Mm -hmm. It's not a tiny business, it's a small business, but there are still hundreds of decisions made every day without your intervention. And as a leader, you know that you have to accept a lot of those decisions otherwise you have to make every doggone one of them in the future if there's a set of guardrails that we establish called customer perceived value you tell me how you connect this decision to customer perceived value and i'm going to be okay with it the bigger your company the more exponential those number of decisions that make take place without your intervention those number of decisions go way up. And if you give everybody the guiding light of we're going to be going towards increasing customer value, the variation and your discomfort with what that other person decided goes down and everybody gets it and you waste a lot less energy.
0: Absolutely. If everybody's reaching for that ring, you know, I came from three enterprise sized organizations as an executive and business builder, always growth oriented, even in a even in markets that were absolutely shrinking substantially and, um, and, and seeing that play out, you know, where you have growth within shrinking markets um, that what you're saying is so powerful, Mark. And I just love that you've created this voice, this space and the expertise to be able to, you know, deliver on these types of results with the people that you work with. And we're so grateful, as I said earlier. So, I have to wrap this up already. I, I, I hope everyone listening has enjoyed it as much as I know I have, and I hope Mark as well. Um, and so I want to thank everyone for joining us for this very special episode of Value Clarity Podcast. I'm your guest host, uh, Trisha Ben. I'm at Tricia, T-R-I-I-C-I-A, at C-Suite, S-U-I-T-E, Network.com. Mark, how should people be reaching you?
1: Just get a hold of me at Mark at BoundyConsulting.com. Boundy is almost like the paper towels, B-O-U-N-D-Y, consulting.com. Or you can just look up my book, uh, Radical Value by Mark Boundy on Amazon, and uh, you'll learn more about what I, what I do.
0: And trust me, you can't go wrong with that time. Please do that. Reach out to Mark. It's absolutely uh, fantastic. So thank you so much.
1: And thank you, Tricia. And remember everybody, because value exists only in your customer's mind, your success is all in your customer's head. Thanks and have a great day.